Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist. My name is Nasser Pasha. Now I'm Matt Stobb. And this week we are covering, what did I call it? Rapid rise startups or rapid growth startups and the problems that they face with that. Yeah, well, the one today is, I think, uh, I guess they both technically fall under that category, but I think the one today is a much greater version of that. The The Wednesday's episode is more, <laughs> I don't think it was over that long of a period, and I don't know how much growth they've had in terms of financial. Yeah, that's true. Today we're talking about Zenefits, which had some pretty substantial growth. Yeah, three three-year-old company. I think last year with 2015, they had a $4 billion, that's with a B as in boy, valuation. Yeah. So yeah. Reached 1 million at the end of 2013. They have a subscription-based software with health insurance, but 1 million by the end of 2013. So not bad, year one. This is revenue. 20 million late 2014, and then 100 million projected late 2015. And like you said... Uh, four billion valuation based on the half a billion dollars they raised somewhat recently. So that's that's pretty rapid growth, I'd say, from any sort of characterization. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> the way I see it is basically it, they're they're what health insurance brokers that basically help out companies, and I think they started off fairly small, and then at some point they ramp in terms of the companies they were assisting, and they started ramping up to these bigger companies, obviously bigger companies, more employees, more opportunity. So you can charge more because it was subscription based, but more or less just what health, they kind of broker or the intermediary and helping these companies figure out the convoluted and complex issue of health benefits for their employees. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. And they're basically insurance brokers and I think that's the best yeah. way to characterize them. But the novelty of what they do is they provide a software that helps small businesses manage these kind of benefits and the so-called Zenefits. And it is difficult for small business to kind of wrap it around and they make it easy, especially with the paperwork and things like that, everything from onboarding an employee to terminating them and how that works. And even most, frankly, attorneys, employment attorneys don't necessarily know that stuff because it's a lot of like logistical issues and forms and, and filings and things like that. And so they make it easy for you but here's the catch is the software is free. And so, of course, how they make their money is through the actual brokering of the uh, insurance policies. Yeah, and I, I shouldn't have said you know, specifically health insurance. That's kind of what got them into trouble. But it's more of a greater HR. They call themselves an HR platform. So they have payroll, benefits, timekeeping, other compliance issues, things like that. So they are much more than just basically a, a broker for, for insurance. But that's really what got them into trouble. And so let's see, when did this happen? When their their CEO just stepped down. It was like February 8th, so about 10 days ago or so, yeah. So around that time. You know, once you look in a little bit deeper into this, there's you can see some other issues. But I think kind of the the big thing here, at least the thing that really drove him to end up you know, stepping away from the as CEO is there was an investigation. You know, they're where are they based out of? I think I wanted to say Seattle or no, no, the California based. I was going to say Seattle too. And then I remember that was the other company we're talking about. So I think, yeah. they, I think they are. Well, they operate in California and Washington state, but basically <laughs> there was an inquiry or an investigation, California that they San Francisco, had, San Francisco, 
they had created a macros that allowed the employees of benefits to essentially bypass the online broker license course. I guess it had some way where it kept them logged in and it's, it's a 52 hour course, correct? Or 52 hours total. And basically the CEO said, well, it's just, that's too long for, for someone to have to, to learn this. <laughs> and so created this, I don't know what they created, but it was something to kind of cheat the system. Some kind of internal software, right? Yeah, I mean, they are a software company. And just to describe what this is, what I think it is, is basically whenever in California, especially in order to actually sit for the exam. And so just to clarify, this wasn't cheating on the actual exam itself. In order to sit for the exam, you needed to have certain courses. And and there's plenty of third parties that provide these courses, which you can do online or at home or what have you. And it seems like that actual course to get that certification was somehow circumvented. Yeah, that's the craziest thing. It's, you know, he's paying a handful of people to take the exam for the hundreds of employees. I mean, this is just the essentially the training or this, you know, to get to sit down and take the exam. So these people still had to to pass the exam portion of it, which, you know, to me, that's not as it's definitely not as bad as as cheating on the actual exam. And 52 hours total is not that long. I mean, what is that? Uh, five and a half days. Yeah, that's right. And you could even kind of blow through that in one week if you wanted to and pay them overtime. But it's, I guess it depends on how many people, I don't know if you saw a number on how many people this applied to, but I imagine it was probably quite a few if they're dealing with all these big companies, especially looking at how they handled some of their other business practices that we'll talk about later on here. And that brings up the issue, right? I mean, he he resigns, which anytime, I mean, a CEO after three years, I, I assume he started with the company, resigns. That's that's a pretty big deal, but at the same time, it's not its not crazy because frankly, what person is qualified to raise a startup from the ground up and over three years become a $4 billion company? I mean, most, you know, most people aren't qualified to be a CEO of that company, let alone go through those growing pains. And so what people are kind of talking about now is the culture of non-compliance. And this is not from an, a legal attorney perspective, when we're representing clients or or even seeing other companies, if you see one thing that is not compliant, the question that we always ask is, okay, what do we not know, right? We found out about this non-compliance issue because it was brought to our attention or there's an investigation, but the scary part is what do we not know and what kind of protocols do we have to discover these kind of things? And that's, that's always a scary part from a legal perspective. Yeah, and this guy we're talking about, he's a CEO, one of three board members, but it sounds like at least two, or I guess one of the other ones, if not both of the other ones, all had a knowledge of what was going on. I mean, clearly the the CEO and one board member, and I, I believe they detailed that a second one might have had a pretty good idea of what was going on too. So it's one thing to, to toe the line on compliance, but it's another just to blatantly disregard it or, or find a way to to cheat the system altogether. Now, I just saw this statistic or this number here, 83% of their insurance deals in Washington state through August, 2015 were done by employees without necessary state licenses. So that's probably an issue. Yeah. And, and I think that's why, I mean, this has something to do with why the California insurance commissioner is basically expected to announce that they've, they're looking into the investigation of the business practices of, of Zenefits. Obviously we have the pleasure of kind of knowing what's going on afterwards, but I'm telling you like the 
the sign of the CEO dropping down two weeks ago and then because of compliance reasons, as an attorney for them, you have to know that there's other legal issues going on. And sometimes even if they have counsel, they may not be aware of it. And so the question is, I mean, I, I've experienced this many times personally with our clients is that, okay, you have an issue that someone in the business has implemented a procedure that's broken the law. What do you do now, right? And the most important thing that everyone has to start thinking about is, okay, how to avoid jail, right? Because some of the things that may not be in compliance may actually give rise to liability, criminal liability. And making sure that you investigate internally, take corrective action, these are the kinds of things that third-party regulators or government regulators look to in order to determine whether they're gonna prosecute you or not. And so this CEO resignation may have been due in order to prevent those kinds of escalating investigations. Yeah, at least it creates the, you know, it removes the the bad seed or the bad influence from... Bad apple. Bad apple, that's it. Close, seed. The bad apple from this company, and in this case, obviously, it's <laughs> pretty high up, important person as well. So I guess that's a good way to, to start things is... Don't, they technically didn't terminate him, I guess. I think they probably just had a conversation with their attorneys and said, it's probably best if you just walk away and you know, we'll figure this out. Look at this quote from Dave Jones of the California Insurance Commissioner. And keep in mind that this announcement of the insurance commissioner came after the resignation. And whether the Zenefits already knew that they were under investigation, most likely they did, maybe through some audit or correspondence from them. But David Jones says, or Dave Jones says, Quote, the recent resignation of Zenefit's CEO, Parker Conrad, is an important development, but it does not resolve our ongoing investigation of Zenefit's business practices and their compliance with California law and regulations. At the least here, it's indication that the resignation impacts or impacted the California Insurance Commissioner's evaluation of the company. It, you think they should be worried about this coming off as, whether it even be in just his capacity as a officer and director of the company, but it comes off as a, an admission of guilt? That's a great question because clients are always concerned about that. And it kind of depends upon the circumstances on where, what stage of the investigation it is, what exactly is the, the legal defect. So here, the problem with compliance and kind of going through these reviews and internal audits is that once the mistake is done, you can't fix it, right? Some things are not fixable. And so like, for example, all these, all these policies that were sold by agents that weren't licensed, those are done, right? And so now the question is, Zenefits needs to continue doing business going forward. And so what does it need to do to minimize the impact of future business? And sometimes that means, you know, cutting the fat and fixing the problems within and really taking a hard look of processes and implementing them and documenting them and so forth. And that may entail a resignation of the CEO. So on one hand, yeah, it could be look, looked as an admission of guilt, but at the same time, what's worse? Would you rather continue as is and you know, with the same person implementing these policies, leaving it as is, and then finding out later that you did it wrong and then causing more problems later? Yeah, I think in this case, they thought it was pretty clear cut. They did something wrong. I mean, if you, I don't know if you saw the email that the new CEO sent out to all the employees, but basically it's saying we, we self-reported this issue. We're in full cooperation with the California Department of Insurance. Interesting. You know, explains what they did. There was this macro issue. 
well, if they call it an issue, I guess that's <laughs> so it leaves the door open for accident. Quote unquote issue. Yeah. yeah. We've terminated leaders who created, you know, encouraged use of the macro. We've disabled the use of it. We're developing a remediation retraining program. Yep. Probably the right way to go about this. I don't think they're not going to be able to hide and, and try to get by this. Yeah. But interesting, the things you named is exactly what a company needs to do. So, you know, there's certain things that you do need to, that there might be an advantage of self-reporting. But there's some things that, okay, maybe you did something wrong. Maybe someone in the company did something wrong, but you don't have any obligation to report it. Okay. And, and obviously you need to talk to your attorney, whether that's the case, but let's assume it's one of those cases where you don't need to self-report or there's no advantage to self-reporting. And so all you have to do now as a company is to document it, review it internally with management and say, okay, for example, let's assume that this isn't a self-reporting issue. Like we said, we had a claim that was sold by someone that didn't have a license. And you bring this up to the CEO, the officers and your compliance officer or your attorneys. Okay, this is what happened. This is what caused this to happen. Let's write it down. This happened on such and such date. Going forward, we need to implement this policy to make sure that this doesn't happen again. That's your safety ticket, right? I mean, that's what's going to protect you from criminal misconduct versus, you know, a cover up or intentional misconduct that can really put you in jail. And this happens, by the way surprisingly all the time. And we don't necessarily see it with big companies, but every once in a while, of course, there's high profile cases, but this is also very common in healthcare with like Medicare fraud and things like that, that really just could have been avoided by just from a compliance perspective or being kind of due diligent in being aware of these issues and how to deal with them. Yeah, exactly. And obviously this issue we talked about with the macros going to be in the investigation in California is a problem, but seems like that was kind of the other huge problem is, you know, they got this investment, they have these revenue goals, they were either falling short of them or, you know, thought they were going to fall short of these other long-term goals. And they really just wanted to make a push at whatever we can do mentality to achieve these goals. And I think that's really what ultimately led to the downfall because that probably caused them to install this macro and have this, yeah. you know, save time, blah, blah, blah. And I think, I mean, this company grew so fast. This, this is faster than any company can even imagine, even if they had their best case scenario. And this kind of scares me if I were a client of Zenefits because here I'm putting, as a, if I was a client or a customer of Zenefits, here I'm putting the responsibility of a software that they, they developed to handle really sensitive regulatory issues that are highly regulated and here they are not complying internally with their own stuff, it kind of makes me question, you know, it's a trust issue, right? I mean, you, it makes you kind of question, is this a company that I really want to trust my payroll and accounting or whatever else they do, the insurance process, internal processes for HR with benefits? Yeah, that's a good point. But obviously that's not something that some, a lot of these companies considered. They went from smaller companies to, to bigger ones. And I don't even know, do we know what companies they were working with? They start out with a bunch of tech companies when they first started out. In fact, a big portion of their clients are happened to be in California. Mm -hmm. But now they've, I mean, they've ballooned to pretty much serving all types of small businesses. Yeah, And I think they have some larger businesses too as well, I, I if I recall, but I think the majority of their businesses are small, medium size. I'm looking at an article now. So this was done in September 2014. So December 2013, they had 15 employees. And less than a year later in September 2014, they had 220. Jeez. <laughs> so it's pretty, uh, pretty extreme growth. Yeah. 
Well, at least they have a software program to handle that kind of (laughs) HR needs. Exactly. Okay. Well, I think, I mean, we covered Zenefits, another uh, company to uh, have rapid growth and have growing pains. Like I said, this week is rapid growth companies. This is obviously falls under that. Uh, The other one's a little bit different, but kind of the same, but still pretty different. (laughs) You'll see. You'll see when uh, we do the episode. It'll make more sense. Yeah, and you'll judge for yourself. Yeah. But anyway, thanks for joining us. Yep. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.